One, two, three, four. Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! Screen time! It's my screen time too! Screen time! Hello, and welcome to It's My Screen Time Too, the podcast where two moms went to see A Star is Born in a movie theater together. (laughs) It was amazing. It was. I'm Deborah, And I'm Katie. And I have an eight-year-old named Tony and twin five-year-olds named Libby and Nate. And I have a three-year-old named Jay and a two-month-old named Kenny. Our kids are pretty darn adorable, aren't they? They are. (laughs) Wow, that sounded uncertain. So uh, (laughs) usually we start the episode with a little story about how adorable or occasionally awful our kids are so we can get all of that out of our systems before we start with the real talk and it sounds like Deborah has something to share. Deborah? <laughs> well, Nathan has decided to be a quote unquote super good. Okay. And he's a pretty good kid. Um, pretty even keeled. Doesn't um isn't defiant like the other two can be sometimes. Um, but now he's like sweeping up after himself in the kitchen, which he has never done before unprompted. Um, putting the lid back on the toothpaste tube unprompted Uh, he's helping to set the table and I he seems sincere about it but I just feel like there's an ulterior motive and I need to figure out what that is (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. I'll keep you posted (laughs) we do give them a a allowance bonus sometimes if they're do something extra so maybe that's it. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it's just a competitive thing so he can hold it over his siblings' heads. Yeah. Or maybe he's just a good person and wants to be good. But that can't be it. Yeah. No. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Sorry, Deborah. You're a good mom, but humans. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So when you were here last week, you experience firsthand this really weird thing that Jay does that we never taught him to do but that I love which is that he won't come out of his room in the morning unless he is told that he can come out oh yeah and this is gonna sound like a humble brag because I know a lot of parents struggle with that like their kids coming out of the room at like 5 a.m and being like let's start the day they have to get those special clocks that like turn green at the time that it's okay for the kid to come out of the room Mm -hmm. But Jay will wake up and like stay in his room and play until it's time until one of us says, hey, buddy, you can come out. And he just he just did this on his own. And he doesn't do it at bedtime. At bedtime, he's horrible and he will try and chase you out of the room because he does not want to be there. Only in the morning. But the other day he was like talking and making noise in his room. So I. I use the little walkie-talkie function on the baby monitor, which is pretty much all we use it for anymore, to tell him he could come out. And he goes, I'm just reading a book. Aww. And it was just the sweetest thing that, like, he wanted to stay in his room a little bit longer because he was reading a book. And, I mean, he's not really reading it. He's just sitting there turning the pages. But it was so adorable and such a mom nerd catnip moment. (laughs) Isn't that the best when... (laughs) They just want to read some more. Yeah. That's the best. <laughs> Unless you have to leave for school. That's true. Yes, that is a problem. <laughs> then make... put the book down. Yeah. 
<laughs> so that was the sweet thing that he said the other day. And, you know, I'll keep you posted. I'm sure he will grow out of this awesome habit that I really love. Kevin says he kind of just wants Jay to get up on his own. And I'm like, why would we get rid of this when it's kind of awesome that he'll just stay in there? Yeah. If he just wants to get up and play, I wouldn't I wouldn't mess with that. Yeah, it's nice to have a little peace in the mornings. So any changes to your screen time policy? Uh, no, we're still, we're still operating on new baby screen time. I mean, I guess we've probably lessened it a little bit and you know, we're slowly tapering back as our lives become a little bit less just crazy face. How about you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no real changes. My kids have stopped watching those awful Minecraft videos with Jen and Pat on YouTube, but now Tony has started watching Roblox videos, which is basically pictures of people playing Roblox, which is a website, I think, with a lot of video games. Mm -hmm. I let them play on my computer. I just don't love the idea of kids watching other people playing video games, but that's what they all do. So Now, I could be totally wrong. So listeners, if I'm really off base about this, please let me know. But isn't there like an entire adult subscription, and I say adult not in a porny way, but like an entire Mm -hmm. subscription channel called Twitch, which is essentially this for like adults to sit and watch other people play video games? Yeah, it's a thing. I don't get it. What a weird world we live in. I don't get it for grownups. I don't get it for kids. I just don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) This is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy that we are coming up on the holidays already. I know. So I love Thanksgiving. It might be my favorite holiday, Mm -hmm. but it's also the marker by which I allow myself to play Christmas carols mm-hmm. and watch holiday music, movies, and decorate the house and stuff. So, yay. How about you? <laughs> um, I am also a fan of Thanksgiving. I obviously find it stressful because I find everything stressful. But um, I wanted to bring it up specifically because we'll probably do a holiday episode where we watch like a holiday show or a holiday movie and I don't think the streaming services have really hinted at whether they're releasing anything new so I just wanted to put a call out to our listeners if they see anything that's coming up that they want us to talk about for the holidays we probably won't be able to do one of the ones that are in theaters I know there are a lot of cool looking holiday movies coming out but uh, I, I can't see movies reliably yet. <laughs> yeah, the Nutcracker one by Disney is definitely on my list. Mm-hmm. And so if anybody goes to see that, tell us what it's like, because I want to go and I'm afraid it might be too scary to bring my kids along. <laughs> it looks beautiful just in the trailers. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, but yes, if anyone knows about anything on par with All I Want for Christmas is You coming out this year, uh, let us know and we will cover it a couple episodes from now in a holiday episode. Yes. Thank you. Speaking of beautiful movies, that brings us to today's topic. We watched Paddington 2 because we keep hearing about how good it is. It's a feature length movie directed by Paul King. It was released in 2017. It has a 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes 
And it won some awards, not necessarily mainstream awards like you or I follow, like Emmys and Academy Awards. Um, it won some international online cinema awards. <laughs> anyway, it's available on Amazon to rent. That's where I watched it. It also purportedly was available to rent on my cable service, but I got an error message when I tried to do that. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Xfinity. <laughs> and... Most people might be familiar with the Paddington book series, which were published in starting in 1958, written by Michael Bond and Peggy Fortnum. Although the characters are based on the books, this plot does not, I believe, come directly from the plots of the books. Mm-hmm. And People loved this movie. I listened to this podcast called The Daily Zeitgeist, which I'm sure I've mentioned before. They're my lifeline to current events. And (laughs) they always um, ask their guests what is something overrated and what is something underrated. And, like, several people said Paddington 2 was underrated. How is it underrated? Literally everybody says they loved it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if maybe when it was in theaters it didn't get enough love and it didn't get like nominated for any of those mainstream that's true uh oscars golden globes that kind of thing but it's so hard for an animated or a kids movie yeah if it's not pixar yeah um and we (laughs) watched white fang which is a disappointment so it's just been a little while since we watched a movie it was about time so I have a feeling I know where the general trend of our thoughts are going to go about Paddington 2, but uh, can you tell me if you read the Paddington books as a kid? I think I did. It was familiar. I have a friend who lives in Scotland, and she was living in England for a while, and she sent Tony some Paddington books when he was really little. Mm-hmm. And we read, so I've read them to my kids Mm -hmm. more recently because of this friend who exported them to us. Um, How about you? Quite literally the only memory I had of Paddington, oh yeah, of (laughs) of Paddington (laughs) was just the broad strokes of him being in the train station with a card on him that said, I don't even remember the exact words, but take care of this bear. Um, yeah. And that was that was all I remembered. Like, I knew he was in the blue coat with the yellow hat. It's yellow mm-hmm. in the books, isn't Red. it? Red? Okay. Red. <laughs> See? I didn't even know that. But, like, when it comes to children's books about bears, I was really more of a corduroy girl. Yeah. I like corduroy. And that's just the one book. Um, had you seen the first movie prior to watching Paddington 2? No, but it is available on Netflix. Yes, I will tell you that it was also very good. Okay, but didn't get the same... Has it just been out longer and people are no longer talking about it? It just was not not a, even on my radar, radar one bit like Paddington 2 has been. Yeah, and I don't think I watched it until after Paddington 2 started getting all of this buzz. It wasn't quite the star-studded parade of every British actor ever that Paddington 2 is Mm -hmm. but it had similar sensibilities 
so the the great thing about Paddington 2 was that it was able to take what is essentially a simplistic child-friendly plot and make it appealing to a wider audience. Uh, so I was wondering what you think the secret to doing that is. Ugh. I think in this case, it was the characters that made it so good. Mm -hmm. You get a glimpse at the beginning of the characters and their flaws. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of the movie, they kind of make good on those flaws. And they're just so likable. Mm -hmm. And you just want them to succeed. And um, even the villain, played by Hugh Grant, he plays it with depth and humor. Mm -hmm. And so you're or even kind of rooting for the villain, <laughs> or at least I was in a weird way. Um, so I just thought the character development was so good. Mm -hmm. And we've talked before about how important it is in kids' shows and kids' movies um, of the non-animated variety for the actors to really commit and really dig into the more like goofy elements of doing a kid's, mm -hmm. a kids production. And uh, I think we can't state enough how committed all of these actors were to their roles no matter how silly they were um mm -hmm. do you want to try just a really quick quick plot summary sure so we see paddington's origin story and he's like fished out of a raging river by Lucy and her husband who have been thinking about going to London and then it's really sweet she, Lucy says I guess we can't go to London now because we have a cub it was very Moses like <laughs> like he's just this baby floating on a river Funny. and is rescued um and then we see him living with the Browns and he's just kind of like the charming fixture of the neighborhood um and he goes to see his friend, Mr. Gruber, who owns an antique store. And in the books that we have, Paddington's main companion is Mr. Gruber. Oh, okay. Um, and Mr. Gruber shows him this, like, exquisite and very rare pop-up book about the city of London. Paddington decides he wants to buy it for his Aunt Lucy's birthday, but he needs the money. It's very expensive. So he tries to find a job eventually he successfully washes windows and at one point I don't know if he's washing windows or not at this point but he sees a thief breaking into Mr. Gruber's antique shop he chases the thief he's the main suspect he gets sent to prison <laughs> for stealing this book even though the book was not in his possession this is getting long <laughs> He, break, he, like, befriends all of these hardened criminals in prison and just, like, warms up the place. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, his family, the Browns, they are working on solving this mystery. When Paddington breaks out of prison, they all figure it out and catch the criminal and get a hold of the book. And the Browns have brought Lucy to London and Paddington is reunited with his aunt Lucy. Oh, I'm going to cheer up. Yeah. up. <laughs> so a beautiful summary and so sweet and warm hearted. And I mean, safe to say that I think we both liked it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really good. 
And I was thinking, too, what the secret was to making adults uh, care for children's movies when, obviously, the plots aren't very complex. And one of the things that I really appreciated about Paddington and Paddington 2 were the great sort of throwaway throwaway gags that Mm -hmm. would kind of go over a kid's head, but that parents would get. And... You know, they're different from the throwaway gags in a lot of other movies when, you know, they make them about sex or something that, like, mm-hmm. kids don't get, but parents are supposed to jokingly laugh at. Mm-hmm. These were not inappropriate for kids. Like, if you sat down and explained all of these to kids, they they wouldn't be scarred. They probably wouldn't think they were super funny. But there mm-hmm. was a great scene where someone was reading a newspaper when Paddington got thrown into jail and the headlines in the newspaper were hilarious it was like warden throws a party at the county jail and get out of jail free card not legally binding those were the headlines (laughs) in the newspaper and it was just this attention to detail that was really great and rewarding for an adult that might not be watching the movie as much for the plot Mm -hmm. so you have read the paddington books far more recently than I, if I ever did read them as a child, and I clearly don't remember. And obviously, we said before, the plot of this, these movies, both Paddington and Paddington 2, don't really line up with the plot of the books. Um, how do you feel when uh, movie adaptations really diverge a lot from their subject matter? I think in this case, it's good, because reading the original Paddington text he makes lots and lots of references to coming from darkest Peru. Mm-hmm. And it's just unsettling to read. Like it's like the Babar books and it's just that overtone of colonialism. And it's, I just feel like I can't present that to my kids in a way without explaining it, but they're too young to mm-hmm. have me lecture them on the ills of colonialism. So I liked this because there was none of that problematic references to Darkest Peru. They actually do talk quite a bit about Darkest Peru in the first movie. Oh, really? So you should watch it and let me know if it rubs you the wrong way. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I think my gut reaction when, like, I see a movie adaptation of a very short children's book... Mm-hmm. is to hate it instinctively, but that's often totally unnecessary because we recently watched the new Peter Rabbit movie that just came out last year, and that was fine. And mm-hmm. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is a book I loved, loved, loved as a kid, those movies were great. So there's no reason for me to have this reflexive, like, ooh, don't touch my childhood favorites attitude about it. But <laughs> for some reason, that is still... Uh, my first impulse, uh, even though I really, I loved this movie and I like Paddington one as well. Um, Mm -hmm. but like you were saying, they can be a really good chance to correct the outdated and problematic issues with the books we read as children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Going back to the plot of the children's books, like the Paddington books are actually kind of boring. Mm -hmm. Like the the plot is really simple and just the marmalade sandwiches shtick gets old. So I think this was a huge improvement on the 
the books. Do you want to move on to animation? Because I do not know how they did this. It was incredible. <laughs> it was really great. And I think we should have watched some like uh, bonus content to really find out how the technology works. Like, are the actors talking to a blank space or do they have like... Andy a guy Circus in a suit in <laughs> is Andy Circus there? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because it is really seamlessly integrated. Uh, and CGI has just come so far. I know that's a very simplistic thing to say because duh, technology, but uh, compared to some of the earlier like human and CGI interaction movies, this was just amazing. Yeah, like there's a scene when Paddington is, um, he thinks his family has forgotten him and he's really lonely, lying in his prison cell all alone. And you just, I mean, it's, uh, you just can feel his emotion and it's so well done. And like his facial expressions and his eyes and everything are so believable. I was really willing to suspend my disbelief. And they track a single tear as it falls from his eye and it like, rolls over his nose and affects the color of his nose in the way that like a tear tracking on a bear's nose presumably would it just incredible attention to detail <laughs> yeah there was also a sequence that I really liked it's when he's looking at the pop-up book and the pop-up book kind of comes to life and he's in it oh, and yeah. I could have watched a whole movie in that style of animation that it was, was beautiful amazing as well. mm-hmm yeah, that was a really beautiful shot. Uh, and there were a lot of moments that just were magical moments on screen. Like when Paddington escapes from prison, they uh, escape in a hot air oh, balloon. Yeah. And there's this moment of like the hot air balloon floating over the Thames. And you can see mm -hmm. like the London skyline. And it was just like if you could take a snapshot of that, it was just perfect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And even how they how the scene like cut away and showed it went from like a model prison to the real prison. And it was very the like stagecraft the way they did it and mm -hmm. showed the prisoners like jumping into the tunnel. But you had a view as an audience member from the outside. It was I don't really have the the theater vocabulary <laughs> to describe this, but it was great. Yeah, it was a very, it gave London a very storybook quality. Um, mm -hmm. Story, yeah, and a sense of theatricality that was really lovely. Speaking of theatricality, what did you think of the cast? Oh my God, Hugh Grant was <laughs> so great. He plays weird and creepy really well. Mm -hmm. um, there's a scene where he's like in this creepy attic talking to these mannequins who are dressed up as different characters and he does all these different accents <laughs> really good and sally hawkins i've only seen her in the shape of water before mm -hmm. and she doesn't speak and she was great in this one yeah she's so warm and i have loved her since there, she did this movie in i want to say 2005 but don't quote me on that called happy go lucky that I would really recommend. That was where I discovered her and have loved her ever since. And I quite like Shape of Water. Again, as just like a beautiful movie that had a lot of moments where you were like, oh, could I just take a picture of that and put it on my mm -hmm. wall? Um, the cast was not very diverse, like the main characters. And they just because the Browns were 
white in the books doesn't mean they have to necessarily be white in the movie version of this, I feel like. Um, but the extras and minor characters were diverse, so mm-hmm. I guess that counts for something. Yeah, that's true. It's hard for me to fault them because I just so loved all of the actors that they chose. Hugh Bonneville, who I had only seen previously in Downton Abbey, so funny and... Mm-hmm again so warm in like his blustering way and the kids have grown up to be not super awkward in the way that like some kids when they're in like a earlier movie and then they're cast later in the sequel you're like ooh, ooh maybe not mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but I thought they were great and Julie Walters who played Mrs. Bird? I'm not sure. She's supposed to be a grandmother, maybe? Yeah, it wasn't really clear. And maybe yeah. I explained it in the first movie. Her and I role forgot. in the family. But uh, she was hilarious. <laughs> I had totally forgotten she was Mrs. Mm-hmm. Weasley in the Harry Potter movies because she was so different. Oh, yeah. Uh, and one thing that I really wanted to point out, casting wise, is that our dear friend Onion from Apple and Onion had a small oh. cameo. <laughs> oh. Uh, he played the CSI during Paddington's trial, who was like pointing out all the different places that marmalade was spread in the antique shop. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. Good, good catch. So everyone <laughs> truly was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Ben Whitshaw, who voiced Paddington? I thought he was great because Paddington is like. He's not a grown-up bear, exactly, but he's not a young kid. And so I thought the voice, even though he got sentenced to prison for 10 years, but what, whatever. I I thought it struck a good in-between. Like, is he an adolescent bear? I don't know, but it was believable. Well, you know, Deborah, the British criminal justice <laughs> system is horribly prejudiced against bears. <laughs> they always get the maximum sentencing. Poor Paddington. What did you think? Um, I really, he's one of those actors that I really want to like. Mm-hmm. And I liked him in his role in the new Bond movies. He plays Q in the new Bond movies. But then I okay. feel like everything else he does is like too arty for me. Like I can never, okay. I can never get into it. And I so want to be behind his career because I think... Well, he's quite cute for one, and uh, you know, I like like I said, I liked him in the Bond movies, but I, yeah, I just I can't get into it. Uh, moving on from the cast, I had to I wanted to ask you because you always pay more attention to these things than I do. What did you think of the band and the ambient music that kind of follows Paddington around? I thought it was good. So there's. A few songs by sort of like a bossa or Caribbean type sounding band. At one point, they are playing on a window washing platform as Paddington is like washing windows of a skyscraper. And the tunes were recognizable to me, um, but I didn't write them down. I thought it was just enough. Mm -hmm. I liked it. I I thought it was good. And this was a continuation from the first movie where they also played a part. And I really liked that addition too. Again, it contributed to the theatricality of it all. And I 
mean, everyone likes to think that their life has a soundtrack and that there could potentially be like a backup band narrating mm-hmm. everything going on, right? Mm-hmm. Just me? Mm-hmm. No? Okay. <laughs> um, and also the credits were amazing because in the credits, Hugh Grant is in this big musical number and there's even a tap dance sequence. <laughs> it's so good. So good. It was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're watching this movie, stay for the credits. It was really good. Definitely, definitely. We already gave away the plot of the movie, but I don't want to give it all away. But I just have to say that Sally Hawkins is a great underwater actress. (laughs) Like, I was so invested in that underwater scene. And I was like, there's no way this movie can end this way. They can't do it. And they did. And they didn't. But like... It brought me back to The Shape of Water a little bit, which is a movie I really liked. I know not everybody did, but she was so good. Yeah. So if their faces, Paddington's face and Sally Hawkins' face during that underwater scene, there were so many just moments that made you genuinely emotional, even watching it as an adult. Like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh, my gosh. Side note, Uh, toffee apples make a big appearance in the movie <laughs> which yes. is I guess it's a Britishism for candied apples they look like candied apples and not caramel apples I think candied apples are the worst thing ever and I wish that they hadn't been given quite a prominent role in this movie oh really see I thought that was kind of so like the little brother for example in the beginning of the movie he's like trying to be cool and leave his boyhood obsession with steam engines behind and become j-doc like a cool kid but then at the end of the movie like the steam engine knowledge comes in handy Mm -hmm. and so what he views as his flaw becomes his saving grace and like i thought the same thing about the candied apples like paddington is just obsessed with food (laughs) and is always getting distracted by food and then at the main action sequence he like gets sidetracked by like candied apples and you're like no Paddington come on (laughs) but it turns out he uses he uses them to like maneuver himself along a moving train which his downfall becomes his saving grace so I I wouldn't want to eat a candied apple (laughs) they're disgusting but I I liked how they were featured in this film I agree that they were used well, but come on, how do you even eat them? Like they have this weird hard shell, but it's like too big for it to be like a piece of hard candy that you would just pop into your mouth. Like how do you even get at the apple? It's disgusting, guys. You just don't, don't. (laughs) You just carry it around listlessly until you decide you've had it long enough you can justify throwing it away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So did this compare to any adult movie or show? to you were you able to make a comparison I I actually was because I tend to get really jealous of movies or television shows that I don't want to say just have a strong sense of place because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of shows where people talk about how the city is a character blah 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 but it's not only that but like have a strong sense of place and community Mm-hmm. I just I want to live there like I want to live in that little corner of London where like everybody knows me in my neighborhood and mm-hmm. maybe it's because I moved around a lot in my adult life like mm-hmm. I just really want that sense of community so I tend to get really jealous 
And uh, this movie, Paddington 2, made me feel that about Paddington's neighborhood. And it really reminded me of my first reaction upon seeing the movie Amelie. Have you seen oh, that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it does. It has the same sort of effect the way they portray the city of Paris and how magical Mm -hmm. it is and Amelie's little corner of Paris with these eccentric characters. It, it felt similarly to me. Hit Mm -hmm. me in the same spot. How about you? I thought it reminded me of any Wes Anderson film I've ever seen in terms of the, Oh no. (laughs) Katie's rolling her eyes. But Wes Anderson is like every single detail is really thought through from the color of the undershirt that somebody is wearing to the music that's playing. And I just thought the way the frames were shot, the way London was portrayed, like the light, the the lighting, everything, it reminded me of the incredibly detailed way that Wes Anderson films play. I can follow you there, but as you know, I hate Wes Anderson, and (laughs) I think the main distinction I would give it is just that, like, the things Wes Anderson does are so meticulous, but they lack any sense of joy, and the plot is always really dull. (laughs) Yeah, this was uh, a completely unironic film, so in that way, it is not at all like a Wes Anderson film. It was just, like, the look of it reminded me. Agreed. Did you cast the gritty HBO reboot? It's hard to beat Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. Yep. But if there is a Paddington 3, I hope that Jeffrey Rush Ooh. shows up. He's a good villain, too. That's a good point. Um, and then you've got me watching The Good Place and mm-hmm. the actress Jamila from The Good Place. Mm-hmm. She is so great and her accent is so fantastic. I hope that she plays some role in Paddington 3. That's all I have, though. So I kept thinking about all the things I loved about this movie, which was like the wonderful, warm portrayal of the city. And if we were to rethink it as a gritty HBO show, how it would be like a really gritty London, right? Like a gritty, Mm. grimy, depressing London. And Mm -hmm. I kept having the song, It's Hard Out There for a Pimp. But, like, it's hard out there for a bear running through my head. So I thought we would just essentially do, like, a version of The Wire, but with CGI. I like it. And the bear, the Paddington would have, like, a really gruff voice, I'm thinking, like a Jeffrey Wright or someone, like, with a really, like, good growly voice. Yeah, that's what I got. I like it. I like it. So was it better when we were kids? No, no. I mean, obviously, we both loved movies when we were kids with like a sense of passion. But like, if we watch those movies again now, I'm sure they would be crap. Yeah, Mary Poppins was good. That came to mind just because, again, the setting Mm -hmm. and it takes place in London and the accents and stuff. It's not really the same thing as Paddington 2. But no, nothing I watched when I was a kid was better than Paddington 2. Have you watched Mary Poppins lately? I have. And you didn't find it to be super long? I think I love the music from that movie so much Mm -hmm. that, no, I, I can endure however long However long it is. Ooh, speaking of new movies coming out for the holidays, callback. Um, are you excited for Mary Poppins Returns? I would definitely watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in the original, Dick Van Dyke is so good. I know. He has a cameo in the new one. 
Really? Yeah. Yay. Can't wait. And, you know, his role is kind of taken over by one Mr. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Podcast (laughs) word cloud favorite. Um, So, you know, as far as people to get to uh, take on his mantle, that's not a bad get. Right. Um, Would you ever watch Paddington 2 alone voluntarily? Oh, heck yes. It gives me all the warm, snuggly feelings. I like it's the perfect sort of movie for kind of, I think, a glum, dreary day outside and a nice cup of tea and some cozy slippers. Yeah, for sure. I definitely want to see Paddington. I'm willing to watch that by myself. Um, According to IMDb, Paul King has a couple of upcoming movies, Mm. Pinocchio and Willy Wonka. I'm going to see those. I'm a huge fan of his now. Wait, are they doing another adaptation of Charlie Chocolate? Charlie Chocolate? Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Per IMDb, he's signed on to it. So I mean, I would want them to because I really hated the Tim Burton version. Was that with Johnny Depp? Oh, yes. Yeah. Johnny Depp can go away for a while. With the Jack White haircut? (laughs) I digress. (laughs) Do you think this is good for our kids? I watched this. I'll answer that first. I watched this by myself, and I cannot wait to watch it with my kids. Yeah, I watched it with Jay, and there were totally enough, like, just funny as heck kids moments. Like, when Paddington gets all wrapped up in the... Uh, the uh, Electric razor. Yes, and he's just, yeah. like, shaking all around the barbershop. Jay was just cackling like a maniac. It was great. I would 100% endorse watching this with your kids. Ratings? No shocker here. Five stars for me. Same. It was so good, you guys. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed our hot take. (laughs) 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 This just in, Paddington 2. Good movie. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of It's My Screen Time 2. Do you like listening to our show? If so, please give us a rating and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps other people find the show. And even if you don't feel like writing a review, you can just tell a friend about us. Or if you'd like, you could make an intricate pop-up book that includes elaborate clues about how much you love our show. And you can tell us all about how you did that on Facebook at facebook.com slash myscreentime2. And that's also where you'll find out what we're covering in our next episode if you want to watch along with us. Or you can tweet us with show or movie suggestions or any general comments about how much you love toffee apples or anything like that at myscreentime2. Or you can email us at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Deborah and her adorable children, and our podcast is produced by me, Katie. Tune in next time for more real talk about the movies and TV beloved by kids and tolerated by parents. Bye! Bye! Bye. 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 Bye.